on this week's episode of News of the Weekend. I know, okay? I know I've heard about it. I know what's going on. We'll discuss it today, I promise you. We'll talk about the entire Jay White situation, okay? We all know he apparently quit after his championship loss to Kota Ibushi and Wrestle Kingdom 15. We'll break down everything. Well, at least a couple of articles of what the situation is, what's going on, and I'll give you all my thoughts about that. Of course, y'all know we're going to be talking about the ratings from AEW, NXT, and SmackDown. I have news. We're great. Cody Rhodes gave AEW as a product for 2020. Also have news on Daniel Bryan apparently pushing Vince McMahon backstage to use more NXT call-ups on SmackDown. And apparently in the news there was a couple of call-ups. That was supposed to be made actually last week, if I'm not mistaken. We'll discuss all of that. Who are those two? I'm sure you know, but we'll talk about that as well. News on New Japan. Then to continue with their shows, despite the state of emergency going on in the land of the rising sun. I know coronavirus uh, cases have been on the rise as of late, but apparently New Japan is going to be soldiering on and putting out these shows. And I'll give you my thoughts on that as well. News! Eric Bischoff. Talking about how WWE can make their titles feel important. It's definitely a topic I would love to get into. Fun time's going to be having all of that. And I've got much more news coming down the pike. It is Monday, January 11, 2020. I hope you guys had a fantastic weekend. It's time to get back down to business. Get off the work week in proper YLP fashion. Y'all know what it is. Y'all know what time it is. It's Monday. You know what that means. This is episode 287 of the Wild Podcast. Let's get it started. Let's hit that intro. And with that being said, let us begin. What's up, guys? This is Mance Chapel, the Monday Night Delight. You're listening to the Young Lions Perspective only on Wrestle Addict Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. What's going on, guys? Zach from the Wrestling Industries Podcast here. Welcome to episode 287 of the YLP Podcast. So glad to have you guys here with me on this Monday morning. I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening. Wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for taking this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. It is Monday, January 11, 2020. Hope you guys had a fantastic weekend. If you're watching the, uh, the Super Wild Card weekend of the NFL playoffs, I hope your team that you're rooting for uh, got to advance. I'm like my Seattle Seahawks who don't want to fucking have an offensive line with the damn, so we just get our ass handed to us by LA. That is neither here nor there, and I digress. But yes, it is a brand new work week. I know I hate getting up this morning, but you know what? At least you know you have something to look forward to, and that is now. What a brand. Spanking new episode of News of the Weekend. The show where we talk about all the news that's fit for me to talk about. And boy, do I have a good, a 
amount of news to discuss this week with y'all. And uh, without further ado, I'm just going to get right into it. Just one moment. Just take care of something here. My apologies. And okay. Yeah, we're just get right into it. But before we do, of course, thank you so much for checking out this episode of the podcast on anchor.fm slash young lions perspective, anchor.fm slash wrestling radio over on ambiguous podcastsolutions.com, Amazon Music, Audible, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for taking time out of your day to check out this episode of the podcast. Of course, if you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, or comments on today's episode or anything that we're going to have going on this week, do not hesitate to hit me up with an email over on Young Lions Perspective at gmail.com. And I will give you all the socials at the end of today's episode. Let's get right into the news of the weekend. Motherfucker, Professor Glass. All right. Get all set up here. Okay, all right. I know, I know, I know. Everybody in their grandma is talking about the Jay White situation. Okay, I understand. Big deal. Really big deal that came out of the, uh, the end of Wrestle Kingdom 15 this past Tuesday. Where Mr. Jay White apparently said he was going to quit pro wrestling so let's begin this week with an article from sportskeeda.com latest update on jay white's new japan pro wrestling status it's from sydney pull out of third following an incredible match against kota ibushi at njpw wrestle kingdom 15 swiss blade jay white has been recently has recently been at the center of many rumors in the wrestling world the Bullet Club leader cut a masterful promo immediately after his emotional loss in the Tokyo Dome main event, where he claimed he was done with the promotion. The Super Jcast Twitter page and WrestleVotes have reported some doubt over the former IWGP heavyweight champion resigning with any resigning with NJPW. They also claimed that it was 50-50 and he signs with WWE as the company is making a strong play for him. However, the most recent edition of Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer addressed Jay White's status with the king sports quote when AEW was forming so this would be late 2018 obviously you know they wanted Jay White all those guys worked with him and all knew how good he is we've known for years even before the push how good Jay White's potential was and how good he is so I mean he's better now and he told them when he talked to him he said he signed a seven-year contract in late 2018 end quote Meltzer did note that it was Jay White that told AEW at the time, but affirmed that his contract could be up now and that every promotion should be going after the 28-year-old. Every wrestling fan will have to keep their eyes on what happens with potentially the hottest free agent in the business. And this is a uh, tweet from WrestleVote saying, quote, Lots of Jay White WWE rumors swirling, and I can say certainly that a few of the boys have went out of their way to speak highly of him, and that resonates with some more than others. It's game time. Quotation marks around game. Now, honestly, this could also be a little bit of a work thing going on. This is what uh, this is in here. Before addressing what Jay White has said in the past, Dave Meltzer also noted on Wrestling Observer Radio that he has not spoken to Switchblade and that NJPW is keeping quiet. The latter part made him believe that the aforementioned promo after New Japan's Wrestle Kingdom 15 was part of a working in an angle. 
after losing at Wrestle Kingdom 11 in 2017 to Kazuchika Okada, Kenny Omega cut a similar promo about taking time away from the promotion. That led to mass speculation that he was heading to WWE. Omega eventually resigned, resigned with AEW, NJPW I'm sorry, later that same year. That leaves the question of whether Jay White is following in the former Bullet Club leader's footsteps. Whatever transpires with Switchblade and NJPW, he has created a massive buzz around himself and what his next move will be. Now let's head over to WrestleTalk.com and see what they have to say. Because this is, uh, mind you, breaking fourth wall. I'm recording this on Sunday for you guys today. So just keep in mind. Now from WrestleTalk, they have an update on WWE potentially signing Jay White from Louis Dangour. It has been reported that former IWGP heavyweight champion Jay White's deal with NJPW is up this month, with it being a 50-50 whether or not he'll resign with the Japanese promotion or join WWE. Speaking on the latest Wrestling Observer Radio, well, pretty much this is the same quote, so we'll, we'll, we won't talk about that. But uh, Dave Meltzer has revealed that AEW reached out to Jay White in 2018. However, White told the promotion that he was under contract until 2025. We already heard the quote from Mr. Meltzer. While it's always possible that Jay White may have been lying to those who reached out to him for AEW, it does put the report that his deal with the Japanese promotion is up this month in question. Yada, yada, yada. So, where will the Switchblade breathe is the question that we have posed, I guess, for today's episode. Where does the Switchblade breathe? Well, until said otherwise, until I see otherwise, until it's legitimately that he's going somewhere else, I believe Jay White is staying in NJPW. He's got a really good going on over there. Mind you, still the leader of Bullet Club. Personally, I still haven't seen New Year's Dash as of yet, so I don't have an idea of where they're going to be going with this. But until legitimately I see Jay White in a WWE ring, in an NXT ring, in an AEW ring, he is still New Japan Pro Wrestling no matter what. That's kind of how I've always been. I'm a see it. I'm not a, you know, I believe it when I see it kind of guy. You know, if so-and-so is going to the Seahawks, I want to know. I want to make sure I see it. I want to see the signing. I want to see them with the jersey, everything looking good, clean in the field. Same scenario with, uh, you know, with news around the world and whatever they got going on with Corona or, you know, politics or whatever the fuck they got going on. I'm not a believe it till I see it kind of guy. You know, I want to make sure that it's legitimate. And when it actually happens and I actually see it for real, for real, I'll believe you. Until then. I believe nothing. I believe that Jay White and New Japan do have something going on here. And I really do think he's going like, to... I think the one storyline that we still haven't been told yet is Jay White and Evil. That's part of the reason why I'm saying that he should not go anywhere but New Japan. Just because how big that storyline could be for 2021. I mean, the two traded barbs, you know... During the G1 Climax, when Jay made his return, and all that. And I still believe that that story does need to be told. I really do. 
I really think that New Japan is just getting him some time off. Give him a little bit of time to relax, breathe, no pun intended, and be able to simply just get some time off. Well-deserved time off, may I add. And then come back maybe March, April, do a new storyline and get into that Bullet Club situation. Because Evil and Jay White still need to have that conversation. I believe they do. So, and and that would be a story that will be hugely left on the table if we weren't able to see that actually come to fruition in 2021. That's just me. That's just my personal opinion on that. But if you have any thoughts on this, do like I said, hit me up with an email. Younglinesperspective at gmail.com. Let me know what your thoughts are opinions, comments, or concerns are about Mr. J. White, and do you actually think he's going anywhere? Do you honestly believe that he's going anywhere but New Japan? And where would you, if that's the case, where would you want to see him go? Leave me a voice message, anchor.fm slash Young Lions Perspective, anchor.fm slash Wrestle Added Radio. Make sure you put my name in the title, Zach, so I know you're talking to me, and we'll be able to keep that going. I want to, I really want to hear from you guys what your thoughts are on this whole situation. Is it bullshit? Is it legitimate in your eyes do you think he's gonna go to nxt do you think he's gonna stay in new japan do you think he's gonna go to aew i want to know let me know hit me up we'll we'll get we'll keep the party going with that and since we're on the new japan train right now from cultaholic.com new japan pro wrestling planning to continue with shows despite state of emergency this is from aiden gibbons prime minister of japan yoshihide Suga, on Thursday, announced a new state of emergency in the Tokyo, Kanagawa, Saitama, and Shiba prefectures in the face of rising COVID-19 cases in the greater Tokyo area. The new restrictions began today and will remain in place until at least February 7th. The government has issued a number of requests related to restaurants, pubs, cafes, and companies have been asked to increase the number of employees working from home by 70%. In relation to professional wrestling... People have been asked to stay home after 8 p.m. and large events are limited to 50% or capacity or up to 5,000 attendees, depending on which figure is smaller. Dave Meltzer reported in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter that as of right now, New Japan Pro Wrestling is planning to continue running shows. The promotion will hold their first event since New Year Dash on January 17th, and 10 of the 12 shows before Jan- February 7th are scheduled to take place in the greater Tokyo area. The events are currently scheduled to begin at 6.30 p.m. or later, which would limit most of them to 90 minutes or less under the new restrictions. Let's see if there's any more to this. Okay. So apparently, starting on the 17th, we will still be getting New Japan live shows. Now, of course, it will be uh, 50% or 5,000 attendees, whichever number comes up easier. Well, this is quite interesting, and I'm really happy that even though in the face of a pandemic, that New Japan is still willing to put out shows. I think it makes sense. I really do think that makes sense. Completely, 100%, without question. You know, New Japan worked very hard to get back into the swing of things, of course, amongst, amidst the pandemic. Okay? Didn't get the anniversary show. We didn't even get Dominion. Wrestling Dantaku, none of that. New Japan Cup tournament we got. It was all right. 
you know, it did what it needed to do, but we didn't truly get like the big shows. We didn't get Dominion. We got Summer Struggle and Jingu, which was always which is which is fine with me. No problem with that. But something about missing Dominion kind of really irked me a little bit, but I understood why. And for New Japan to believe that they'll be able to have no problem running shows, still doing what they do, and with you know shows being only 90 minutes. You're going to be cutting some things out, but I'm sure that New Japan will figure out a way to still be able to give you a proper show in half the time that Raw show that Raw does, and it'll still be better than three hours of Raw. I, and I mean, with the fact that 10 of the 12 shows going to be integrated Tokyo area, I'm sure New Japan will take greater precaution to ensure that, you know, the wrestlers, the talent, the, uh, the crew, everyone in, in New Japan stays safe. 100%. I don't think in that any other way whatsoever. And again, it was, honestly, it really does show that, you know, especially with New Japan fans like myself, you know, we're not going to get Fantastic Mania, which, which really sucks, but it comes to the territory of New Japan, so they didn't want to risk anybody from uh, AAA to come over, maybe catch it, bring it back to Mexico, all that stuff. They are, That's understandable. I mean, it does suck for Triple A wrestlers because they're missing out on a huge payday, and that comes with the territory of that. But bees with it bees, when there's not much we can do with that with that whole situation. But I am proud of New Japan for being able to want to continue running shows in the face of a pandemic, showing resolve, showing the courage to fight on, especially now with Kota Ibushi winning the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships. I'm for certain that they definitely want to get that story going. Especially with uh, Sonata and Ibushi, that more likely be the first um, event um, for the new year. That main event, Ibushi Sonata for the double championship. I would love to see that. That's going to be an absolute banger. You know what I mean? So, again, yes, I'm, I mean, they're taking great precaution in what they are doing. That's that's pretty much easy said and done. AEW is doing it. WWE is doing it. Ring of Honor is doing it. Impact's doing it. They're all doing it. And I don't think you can stop the show. We got to keep going. And especially going on, it shows courage, especially within the Japanese culture. It may be a little bit different. But, you know, with the whole Abushi story, that of those emotional two days, him becoming God, which if you are a member of the Patreon family, you might have checked out my uh, Wrestle Kingdom 15 review. And if you haven't, consider becoming a member of the Patreon family, you know. $5 a month will get you a lot of exclusivity on this on this side of the realm, okay? You get to be a member of the exclusive group chat. We get to talk to all the members of the Patreon family. Of course, the Vaz family, Char- Sir Charles Williams, Kavita, Quarantine, Jay, and my UK bro from another mug, my man, Jermaine Lang, enjoying his week off from not having to see Chief football, but I'm sure he's quite upset. I'm sure he'll be fine. And of course, all the members of the Wrestle Attic Radio family, including myself, Agent K. Murphy, King Ricky Rose, Willie T, and of course, Mr. Fretz himself. And do not forget the everyday delight that is the man, Mance Chapel. All right. So you got that. You get to listen to exclusive shows you won't listen to anywhere else on Wrestle Attic Radio. Love and War, hosted by Agent K. Murphy and King Ricky Rose. The 20 Post Salute, hosted by Mr. Fretz and my. Exclusive podcast, Secret Files podcast, where you don't know the topic until you press play. And I think the biggest thing that you get out of this 
is that you'll have an exclusive code that you'll get to use every day, no matter what, 365 days a year, 366 on the leap year, Sunday, your grandmama's birthday, your birthday, your cousin's birthday, auntie's birthday, because you can't forget auntie's birthday unless you get smacked upside the head. It be like that sometimes. But yeah, you can use the exclusive code. It'll get you 50% off every single time you check out at any of our Teespring stores, including my Teespring store, young-lines-respective.myteespring.co. In case you want to know, I'll talk about that in the next segment. But yes, 17 cents a day is all it takes to get you some exclusivity of your life. $17 a day equating to $5 a month when you head over and become a member of the family over on patreon.com forward slash Radio. That's patreon.com slash Radio. And to round out, let me see, where am I at? Where am I at? Am I at three? Let's see. Uh, yeah, okay, we got a couple more before we go to break. Let's flip over to the AEW side for a moment. Now, I'm not sure if you heard about the news that AEW was apparently going, to, was deciding on going down to Miami. For some reason, I really should have Will Smith's uh, going to Miami song on, but I'm not going to do that to y'all because uh, I, I listen to that so much at work and I'm just like, Ugh. but we have a little bit of news on that whole situation from WrestlingHeadlines.com. AEW reportedly hasn't decided on moving Dynamite events to Miami yet. This is from Andrew Ravens. That man be working, I swear to God. Very short, apparently. We'll see if we can find more. It was reported earlier this week that AEW has plans to move locations to film TV in Miami during February. The idea would be to move back to Daly's Place in Jacksonville in March. The report stated the move was due to the weather, warmer weather in Miami and a change of location to boost morale. Dave Meltzer reported in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter that while it could still happen and has been discussed, a, non, a decision has not been made yet. Now let me see if I can actually see if I can find more on this. Because this is actually a little bit of a nice issue here. It's Florida. Do, do, do. Maybe E-Wrestling News can have a little bit of a longer article than just three paragraphs. Please. Okay, pretty much the same shit. Maybe Sports Kita? Who knows? Okay, I believe this is the article I actually saw. So this is from the fourth, actually, um, of them moving about it. So let's see what Matt Black had to say. AEW filmed the majority of their television in 2020 at Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida. The company will leave behind an open amphitheater that has housed countless dynamite and dark episodes last year in February, but only for a month or so. According to Cassidy Haynes of Bodyslam.net, AEW owner Tony Khan is looking to move his company to a warmer location in Miami, Florida for February due to the wrestling sub-freezing temperatures in an outdoor venue in Jacksonville right now. Cassidy also noted that, quote, a change of scenery would be good for everyone's morale. It's something completely understandable after the talent has been wrestling in the same place for eight months straight. So this is what the plan was is supposed to be, apparently, even though we may not know what's really going on. Haynes reports that the current plan is for AEW to record all of their shows in Miami during February before returning to Jacksonville. This includes all episodes of Dynamite, Dark, and the AEW pay-per-view Revolution. As of this writing, the venue in Miami that AEW will be emanating from is unknown. But with the AEW Dynamite special Beach Break exactly one month away, 
You have to believe that Tony Khan and AEW already have a location picked out and secured when they will be in February. Before Beach Break, though, AEW will remain in da- at Daly's Place for January, including two live editions of Dynamite on January 6th and 20th. Two other epi- the other two episodes of Dynamite this month will be taped. Let's see if there's any more to this. So, we're, so maybe they're going to Miami? We don't know. Um, from what we're seeing reports, possibilities there. Now, I think, honestly, the move to Miami would actually be a solid one, given the fact that they're going to have Beach Break in February, and they're also going to have AEW Revolution in February. I think it would be very wise, especially if the weather sucks and it's going to be really cold in Jacksonville. I don't see why not. I honestly don't see why not. You know, and plus, definitely, uh, you know, going from Jacksonville to Miami and being able to perform, you know, in Miami, kind of do like a little Florida tour. Okay, don't do a Florida tour. But you get the point. You know, I would say a definite move to another location would bo- help boost morale. They're going to be, they would be in Miami. And for those of you who may not have lived in the South for any period of time, I did for three years. I uh, lived in Myrtle Beach. And I will tell you, um, bitch, it gets cold. Just like it does up here. Just not as cold as it is up in Jersey. But yeah, it does get cold. It goes it gets cold in the south in the winter. It gets cold. It, I <laughs> that's the one thing I did not like. It got cold in the winter. Still normal, but you'd feel it in the morning for sure. Super cold. So it wouldn't surprise me, honestly, if they actually moved over to Miami for February. Beach Break, Miami Beach, I like it. Revolution in Miami, I like it. I dig it. I want to see more of it. I personally believe that would be a very, very solid uh, way to help, you know, boost morale for the roster and perform in another part of the state. And I don't think, I mean, Jacksonville probably from Miami is like a couple hours drive, maybe four or five if you drive fast enough. But yeah, I think, you know, the people in Miami would want to see it. You know, I'm sure because I know the capacity, I think, is up to 1,500. So they'd be able to see the event. I think that crowd in Miami would go bananas if they were able to actually be there for Beach Break and for Revolution. And I think that would help the roster as well because they have actually would have a crowd. You know, and then going back to Jacksonville in March, you know, kind of breaks up the monotony of being in one place for a long period of time, like the report said. So I see all positives across the board for this, to be honest with you guys. If they do it in Miami, I hope they do it in Miami because that would actually be, I'm sure the venue would be noise. You know, we're not, of course, we're not exactly sure where, whether, you know, they're going to or not, but I think they should. Miami, eh, dope. I, I think it would be a dope venue, personally. You know, they can make that venue look clean for not only Beach Break, but definitely for, for Revolution. And like I said, the Miami crowd would go bananas. Even though it would be 1,500, they would make that sound like it's 10,000 in that building. 100%. No two ways about it. I think this would be a good move. You know, for not just the fans that are going to be there in attendance, but for the fans at home, you'd be like, oh, shit, you know, the, ooh, look at that. Look at that building. What? They got that shit. What? I'm telling you, changing venue will help ratings, especially if we find out there, if, if the move le- is going to be legit. Think of possibility of fans moving over to want to watch AEW on Wednesdays given the fact they're going to be in a different part of Florida. You know? 
I think it's just all positives across the board, no negatives, and I really think that would be a dope thing to, for AEW to pull off uh, if they are able to. That's just me. We'll see how everything goes. And to round out this portion of episode 287 of the YLP podcast, I saw this article and I'm thinking, I must talk about this. Let's discuss. From WrestlingInc.com, Eric Bischoff on how WWE can make their titles feel important. This is from Marco Rover. Very, very bougie name if I say so myself. During a recent episode of the 83 Weeks podcast, focusing on Star K91, Eric Bischoff talked about the U.S. Championship during that time being a launching pad directly to the WCW Championship. Bischoff said this this was the perfect way to make belts mean something and used in a way where talent wanted to become champion for a reason. Quote, absolutely love it. We often hear about belts meaning something. That's general criticism I've been hearing since 1987. One of the ways that making a championship means something is the establishment of structure that creates a journey. The journey is a big part of the story. I think when you have the structure of a U.S. title being the last step to the ultimate prize, that inherently creates a lot of story, structure, potential. Without it, it's just random. Matches are made randomly. The stakes, as a result, are kind of non-existent. I'm a firm believer that you can't go back to the way things used to be, but that doesn't mean there aren't some elements of what worked in the past, and you can't adapt to the current product to enhance it. End quote. Bischoff continued to talk about AEW's ranking system that currently helps them decide the number one contender for each of their titles. He said he approves the idea strongly because it gives them the opportunity to tell stories that make sense. Quote, One of the things I like about AEW is the rankings. It provides an opportunity of conflict for conflict right off the bat. Even if there's nothing going on today with regard to conflict as a result of the standings, the potential is there. When you call back to it and you need it, it's right there. You're not making it up all at once. This stuff is not popping out of nowhere. You don't have to use it all the time, but when you need it, it's there. The audience already understands it. They've already been exposed to it, and now all you need to do is create the conflict that can be born out of it. I'm a big fan of that, and I think that's sorely lacking in today's product, end quote. Bischoff went in depth on why there's so many issues today with storytelling and world championships. He asked specifically, why would anyone want to be world champion today because there's no reason behind it? Quote, why do people fight for that? Why is it really a goal? It's not stated. In boxing, winning a world heavyweight championship means you won the biggest part of the purse. It was about the money. We've lost that. What does it really mean to be champion? Becoming a world champion. What does it really mean for an honest, relatable way to the audience? All it means is that you're going to be in the main event a lot. There's nothing that the average person can relate to. Sticks. They're non-existent. In this case, the championship is really nothing but a prop. It's something to hold on to while you're telling a story, but it's not relatable to the audience. End quote. Bishop said stars like Roman Reigns need to explain why they want to be the champion and why the belt means so much to them. He also said the average person can't relate to anyone wanting to be champion because there's no relatable bonuses when you win that title. He says, quote, I would love to hear a Roman Reigns. I'm not sure if he's a heel or a babyface at this point, but what does it mean to him personally to be WWE champion from a financial standpoint that people can relate to? Things like that are important. They resonate with the audience. I would like to see structure and relatable stakes and discussion as to why does anyone really care to be world champion? The average person can't relate to the fact that if Roman Reigns wins the world championship, he gets a really, really big touring bus as a dressing room. They don't relate to it. That's a perk. Tell me about the money, man. What does it mean to your life, your children? Why is it so freaking important to you? I don't often hear these other things articulated. It's just, oh, he's the champion. So what? It means he's going to be on the pay-per-view every month. Oh, okay, cool. Bischoff discussed how the pay of a talent 
the pay of a talent pay can be such an important way of telling stories. He's also shared if he's ever heard of a talent being fired from WWE or any company for sharing with the media how much they've made or what he would have done in WCW if that happened. Says, quote, no, I never have. I can tell you from my perspective when I would find out or be convinced that someone was bragging about or using how much how much they were making to stir things up in a locker room. It would dramatically, in a profound way, impact my level of respect for said talent. It changed a lot of things for me. People like Sting kept his shit to himself. He was a professional about it. In WWE, I've heard many stories directly from the individuals involved, how they would use information they came across accidentally or intentionally, how they would use that to stir up stuff in the locker room. If I couldn't fire somebody for that, I certainly wouldn't want to. And of course, if I use any of the articles in this... If I use any of the quotes in this article, please credit Grilling Jr. with H slash T to Wrestling Inc. for the transcription. And yeah, still a big, you know, small fish in a big pond. And Eric Bischoff on every single level is correct. 100% correct. There's nothing in that article I could honestly disagree with. When. Look at the titles and let's let's look at the main roster because ninety percent of those titles don't feel important. I have always stated that long title reigns make the title important. With the ability for a certain talent to hold the title for seven, eight, nine, ten months, something along those lines, right? That shows dominance. That shows the ability for talent to be dominant as champion. But it also creates opportunities for more talent on the roster. You know what I'm saying? You know, with the with WWE Universal title scene right now, Roman, Jay, Daniel Bryan, KO, uh, Shinsuke, Rey Mysterio, hopefully Cesaro, because we really would I really wouldn't want to see that. That's not a bad title scene to work with right now. That really isn't a bad title scene. That's like that's a kind of title scene I like to see, especially with Nakamura in the mix. Y'all know how I get down with that. Bull my yay all day. But seriously, you know, when you're when you have like the United States Championship, when was the last time anyone credible held that belt? AJ? Maybe? Shit, they only, kept, they only had Ricochet hold the title for three weeks. Samoa Joe held it. Mysterio won it. Then gave it back to Joe. That was kind of weird. But, like, seriously. When was the last true time you saw a United States champion look proper and be in line for the WWE Championship? Same thing with the Intercontinental Championship. That used to be not only the Workhorse Championship, but the pretty much the, the stepping stone to being looked at as possibly as more than likely the next guy to hold the WWE championship. Tag team titles don't mean shit that on Raw and SmackDown. Women's titles don't mean shit on Raw and SmackDown. I mean, with Biggie as Intercontinental Champion, that wouldn't be a that's not a bad situation to have. But you gotta have people in that mid card to make that title proper. Your championship title uh picture has no one no one if you can name me three people that are in the hunt for the united states championship leave me a voice message 
I want to know who, like, not not who you think, just in general, who are the three people that WWE has right now gunning for the United States Championship? Because I don't watch Raw, so you might have to, you're going to have to let me know. They don't mean shit. Because WWE portrays them to look like shit. You have no you have no title seen for your mid cards on either show. Yeah, Biggie's got Apollo Cruz, but after he's done with Cruz, who's got? Bobby Lashley could have had Riddle, Ricochet, Hardy. You know? That's three that's three right there. Possibly Angel Garza. Maybe. I don't know. Keith Lee. I still want to see that. You know, they have people there. It's just that they don't decide to use them. So the titles to me are irrelevant when you're not doing anything with them. Now, Intercontinental Championship, totally different because they actually look like they're going to be doing something with that belt. But as far as like the tag team scene goes, it's Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode and the freaking Street Profits. That's your division. And the only reason that Rude and Ziggler won those titles is because if the Street Profits beat them, um, there will be no one else in the division for them to challenge. And that's and that's the legitimate reason why Ziggler and Rude won those titles. And if you think I'm lying, try it. Because who else on that roster in the tag team division do they have? Can't say Usos. Jimmy's injured. I would say have a machinery if they weren't broken up. The Knights of the Lone Wolf, they don't do nothing but help Baron Corbin. So, yeah. I don't care. So those two are going to be training the Tag Team Championships back and forth, like a hot potato. <coughs> Excuse me, until WrestleMania. But that's the thing. They, are rele- they aren't relevant. They aren't relevant whatsoever. You know, they don't have a reason, you know, like like, like uh, Bishop said, you know, more money, more money to help my family. Make sure I take care of my family. We good. We eating. All that stuff. You know, when you're the champion, you get perks. Like uh, he said with a touring bus as a dressing room. I want to see more of that. I want to see actual things be legitimate. You know what I'm saying? I want the title to feel relevant. And if it's not going to feel relevant, then I don't care. It bees what it bees. But that's going to conclude the first half of episode 287 of the YLP podcast. When we come back, we're going to be talking about, of course, the ratings from Friday Night SmackDown, AEW, and NXT. Also, news on Daniel Bryan pushing Vince McMahon backstage to use more NXT call-ups on SmackDown. I got a report on Nick Jackson speaking about his experience with COVID-19. And, of course, what grade? Did Cody Rhodes give AEW for the product in 2020? We'll talk about all that on the other side of episode 287 of the YLP Podcast. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Yo, peeps, this is Mr. Fretz from the Fretzelmania Podcast. And you, yes, you with the earbuds, are listening to Stephen A. Smith, I mean the Young Lions perspective right here on Russell Attic Radio, the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast.
we are back. Episode 287 of the YLP Podcast. Continuing on with the news of the weekend. And uh, I want to start off this portion of the program by discussing the ratings that went down from last week. Mainly, AEW and XT and Friday Night Smackdown. Let's talk about Smackdown first. Let's get it out of the way. From WrestlingNews.co. WWE Friday Night Smackdown overnight ratings back over 2 million viewers. This was from Andrew Ravens. The overnight ratings are in for Friday's WWE Smackdown episode from St. Petersburg, Florida at Tropicana Field. The episode drew an average of 2.003 million viewers, which is up from last Friday's Smackdown episode with an average of 1.915 million viewers on Fox. First hour saw it pull in 2.036 million viewers, while hour two did 1.969. Showed it 1.996 million viewers in hour one, while hour two did 1.834 million viewers a week ago. It also put in an, pulled in an average of 0.05 rating in the East and the 49 demographic, which is actually number two for the evening. That is the same as the 0.5 rating in the East and the 49 demographic that the show did last week. This week's show featured a gauntlet match in the second hour to determine a new number one contender for Roman Reigns Universal Championship. SmackDown was in the middle of the pack for the night among the networks and viewership. It was behind 2020. Magnum PI, Blue Blood, Shark Tank, Daylight, Dateline NBC, and other series among the top shows on network television. It should be noted that this is the overnight number and the actual rating won't be released until apparently this week. So, for now, we're looking at 2.003. Not bad, not bad. Still not three million that Fox wants, but at least they were able to get back to two million, back to the swing of things because, of course, the Roman Reigns deal. Now that we know what's going on, now mind you, I didn't see uh, SmackDown, but I did keep up with it. And uh, Adam Pearce challenging Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship after he was able to uh, convince putting that air quotes around uh, Pearce. Was also able to have that match. Interesting, to say the least. So we'll see how that goes for a little bit. Interesting. But at least they got over two million. I'm not mad at that. It's a good thing. Hopefully they're able to um, keep that momentum going as we head towards the Royal Rumble in a few weeks. Now let's see what from the uh the best night of the week in tele- and, uh professional wrestling. See what they got going on from Forbes.com. AEW versus NXT ratings. Dynamite beats New Year's Evil amid Bullet Club reunion. This is of course from Alfred Kanua. AEW Dynamite and NXT viewership both came in under 700,000 against mainstream news coverage despite airing television specials. AEW drew an average viewership of 662,000, down 32% from 977,000 last week's tribute to Brody Lee. WWE NXT garnered 641,000 viewers, up 9% from 586,000 last week. So, let's see what uh, they say going on here. Both AEW Dynamite and WWE NXT ran specialty shows that function as made-for-TV pay-per-views with both broadcasts boasting World Championship main events. New Year's Evil saw Finn Balor successfully defend the NXT Championship against Kyle O'Reilly. They're saying Karrion Cross, kind of a weird flex. While AEW's New Year's Smash Night 1 
featured the return of Kenny Omega, who defeated Ray Phoenix. In addition to both shows presenting formidable showcases, both AEW and NXT also had a, to battle a surge in cable news viewership on the heels of the unrest in Washington, D.C. NXT spent weeks building to its pay-per-view, which featured multiple title defenses and the in-ring return of its rising star. Ooh, excuse me. And former NXT champion, Karrion Cross. Perhaps the most newsworthy item of AEW was the unadvertised reunion of the Bullet Club as Omega, the Young Bucks, and the debuting Good Brothers performed the signature Bullet Club salute as Dynamite went off the air. Of course, it's highly unlikely the faction will refer to themselves as the Bullet Club in, while in AEW, since the name is owned by New Japan Pro Wrestling, which continues to book the stable to this day. Charter Bullet Club members Tama Tonga and Balak Fale were none too pleased with these developments, judging by their comments on Twitter, with Bad Luck Fale tweeting to cease and desist. Uh, we actually talked about that on Friday's episode of uh, Light the Fuse, and if you want to go check that out, you can check that out. That is actually up right now. Of course, after you listen to this episode. Thank you very much. In advance. NXT was set up nicely, though, to possibly win the night in total viewership due to building up a stacked show. But AEW New Year's Smash, Night 2 figures to dominate NXT in viewership next week with a stacked card advertising silver matches and segments in addition to the follow-up for a major angle. So what do they have for next week's Dynamite this coming uh, Wednesday? Pac versus Eddie Kingston, which is going to be crazy. We have Miro versus Chuck Taylor. If Miro loses, then he has to be Miro's young boy until after Kip and Penelope's wedding at Beach Break. The Waiting Room episode with Britt Baker featuring Cody Rhodes. FTR will be taking on Jurassic Express with Lusasaurus. Darby Allen versus Brian Cage, of course, against uh, for the uh, AEW TNT Championship. Serena Deeb taking on Tay Conti for the NWA Women's World Title. The Elite are going to be in action. And what is the Inner Circle's New Year's resolution? Advertised for this week's NXT, uh, apparently they had nothing. <laughs> but this portion, um, y'all know usually I don't talk about politics. It's, it's not my thing. I'm not good at it. And I just... I'm not even going to go there with that. But with everything that happened on Wednesday, um, this definitely immediately was going to have coverage across the board. Immediately, the second it happened, the second it started to go down, it immediately got coverage. Now, depending on which uh, television you watch, you'd be, you would call them insurrectionists, you would call them patriots, you can call them, you know, the biggest dumbasses in the world because immediately you're about to get arrested and get federally charged for, you know, going into a building like that. Um, apparently there were people who were just walking in, just to walk in because the door was open. And they're going to probably get federally charged as well. I am neither here nor there with that. Um, the only thing I will say about it is, me personally, um, this was inevitable. When you lock people down for close to a year, and you piss people off over and over, more lockdowns, opening, then we're going to go with the lockdown because rising COVID cases, you're going to piss a lot of people off. Ask California how the fuck they're doing right now. Um, I was, I honestly thought it was pretty much inevitable that it was going to get to a point where people were going to get pissed and do something crazy. This is the do something crazy. I had a feeling, and I didn't think it was going to actually happen to this extent, but 
understandably, that was going to dominate coverage across the board of televisions. Now, me personally, there's sports on somewhere, so I'll be I would be watching that, or I would have been I was watching AEW Dynamite anyway, given the fact that it was across the news and on YouTube and all that stuff. So in that aspect, professional wrestling was a great way to get away from that. And so it doesn't surprise me that both AEW, Dynamite, and NXT were going to be under 700,000. That just makes sense, like I said, because of the going-on news coverage that's still being covered now. And more will, more, more things will happen. Crazy things will happen. Something not, I have a feeling that something crazy is going to be happening between now and the inauguration of Joe Biden as president. Now that we've already seen the first part. Um, yeah, it's going to be, this is going to dominate coverage. So don't be surprised if, you know, if something pops off between now and maybe Wednesday night, ratings may go either, they may go back up to where they were last week, or they may stay the same and stay at 700K, 800K. Something of like that. So unless we don't get any crazy news between, you know, now and um, Wednesday, unless they continue, you know, you know, pushing, pumping the news out like it's, you know, they're the last thing they'll ever do in existence. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if ratings were still remain down. I mean, ratings, I think, will go up for both brands, but I think that there will still be somewhere between the 700 and 800, maybe 850K. Uh, around that because of uh, New Year's Smash Night 2 for AEW and then NXT going back to regular programming because they don't have a, an actual special or anything of the like. So we'll see how that goes with that going into this coming Wednesday. Let's us talk about Daniel Bryan for a moment if we can. From TalkSport.com, WWE News, Daniel Bryan pushing Vince McMahon backstage to use more NXT call-ups on SmackDown. This is from Alex McCarthy with the video of Snoop Dogg doing the worst top rope splash we've ever seen in existence, but that is neither here nor there. I'm going to X out of that because I don't want to see that. Okay. <laughs> that he tried, though. He tried. We all saw it. We all saw it. There is no doubt. That SmackDown is WWE's best show right now. Yeah, because we're not counting NXT in this case. Since Roman Reigns returned at SummerSlam last August, SmackDown has improved exponentially. And it's not just because of the Tribal Chief, but also the performances of Sasha Banks, Bayley, Sami Zayn, and many more. Daniel Bryan has also been a driving force behind the show, with many fans aware that he is pivotal in front of and behind the camera. The former five-time world champion has been in creative and production meetings for the past few years in WWE and has been central to many underutilized talents getting their moment on SmackDown over the past 12 months. According to the Wrestling Observer, Brian is now making a push for SmackDown to make the most of NXT. Dave Meltzer is reporting that Brian has been pushing to bring in more NXT talent to SmackDown to freshen things up. It was reported this week that both Rhea Ripley and Damian Priest are scheduled to be debuting on the main roster in the near future. But Meltzer adds there is concern about Vince McMahon losing interest in NXT talent as he has done with others in the past. NXT is a gluttony of talent at their disposable. Those are successful and the yellow brand don't always translate perfectly to the main roster. Keith Lee! Matt fucking Riddle! Sorry, I had a moment there, y'all. My apologies. Whether McMahon is to blame for that or not is up for debate. 
Not much of a debate. Triple H creates, Vince McMahon destroys. You're welcome. Carry on. But the talent needs stories to succeed. One report from Meltzer suggested the idea for Priest's debut was to be introduced as Kevin Owens' friend in a fight against Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. That idea was nixed after Owens and Reigns caught wind as creative had some more time to figure out how to introduce a 38-year-old Priest. Still, it's great that Brian is proactive in giving other talent chances and helping the product. 39-year-old has made no secret of the fact that he is in the winter stage of his in-ring career, but he'll be a valuable outset to WWE for years to come. And yes, it's legit. Rhea Ripley and Damian Priest are expected to make their in-ring debut in WWE very soon, but I would easily hold them off until the Royal Rumble. Because that's a pretty easy fucking thing to do now, isn't it? What do you think was this dumb idea, isn't it? Fucking dumbass. Um, I like the fact that Daniel Bryan is really pushing for talent to succeed. And the fact that he's been involved in production and creative meetings really shows that he's going to be doing some things behind the scenes once his in-ring career is over. And I don't think for one second that he's not going to be doing that. And he's really pushing for talent to succeed. He wants to see SmackDown grow. He wants to see SmackDown do better and be able to utilize NXT talent properly. Apollo Crews, ring a bell, Vince? Ricochet? Huh? Alistair fucking Black? Ring a bell, Chieftain? That's the thing. Sure, Daniel Bryan can really put you know, his name, you know, behind someone. And that's a hell of a, that's a hell of a rub. But it's all on creative to actually be able to create that story and really tell the story for certain talent. Because they ain't doing that for Keith Lee. They haven't been doing that for Matt Riddle. They damn sure ain't doing that for Ricochet. I mean, when they left his ass over on Raw when he should have went to SmackDown and started gunning for Intercontinental Championships because Big E Ricochet would have been absolute fucking fire. Honorable mention of the year candidate off rip. Absolute banger at a pay-per-view. I swear they need me. They need to put me in for creative, man. They have to cut that check real quick. I'm gonna signing bonus off rip. But that's the thing though. I mean, Daniel Bryan could of course push for Damien. He could push for Rhea. I don't think Rhea Ripley will go to SmackDown, unfortunately. She'll probably go to Raw. Yeah. And that'll be yay. But the fact that I like the to see talent like Brian really get involved. Definitely screams to me that the possibility of something big happening for SmackDown really could be something going on. And who was it? Like they said in the article. You know, he's pushing to bring in more NXT talent to freshen things up. When your talent starts seeing that it's kind of stale, that's when you know something's up. 
and we're approaching WrestleMania season anyway. So honestly, I wouldn't be mad at it. Because when you, because if you bring Damian Priest over to SmackDown, um, I believe there are three words for this man, for Damian Priest. And if you do it right and you build it properly, these three words make all the sense in the world. Future Intercontinental Champion. Y'all don't mean y'all. Y'all don't think that you don't want to see Big E and Damian Priest right now. But I bet you if they build up Big E as a big fucking deal with the Intercontinental Championship, and if Damian Priest be possibly built up as a heel, possibly taking on Dan, big, Mr. Big E at a SummerSlam or some shit, that you don't think for one fucking second that wouldn't be a banger ass match? That wouldn't be fire. That wouldn't be dope. Hmm. Huh? Huh? You don't think that? I do. Priest vs. E at SummerSlam for the strip, boy. I'm not saying it's like, I'm not saying it's, you know, British Bulldog Bret Hart at SummerSlam at Wembley. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, Biggie Damian Priest sounds pretty fucking good on my end, especially if you build them up nice. I, love, I, I appreciate Daniel Bryan for wanting to push talent. And, you know, ha, you know, having the balls to go up to Vince and just be like, yo, we got to get this dude. I guarantee he was definitely trying to push for Damien. 100%. Guarantee he was trying to push for Damien Priest. I ain't mad at it. I want to see everybody that comes up from NST Prosper. It's on WWE, though, to actually make that shit happen. Unfortunately, they haven't been. So it kind of makes me think, okay, they could do that. But... How much does WWE want to invest in said talent? Excuse me. Mm. Make sure to drink your water. Good for you. It's good, you're you're going to pee a lot. But it's good for you. Drink your water. But we shall move on. But before we do, of course, let me take a little break. Let me take a little time out of this podcast to talk about my stuff. I pay the bills around here at Swag Radio, and I do things my way, so you got to deal with that. But if you're looking for some new merch for the 2021 year, and since a good portion of America are on that new me, new you know, new year, new me thing thing, why not make a new you? Why not create a new thing thing and get yourself some YLP merch? Make you feel all types of brand new. I got close to 20 items on there. 20 items from men, women. The young cubs out there, accessories across the board. Fellas, if you saw my post on Fashion Friday on WrestleAtic Radio uh, Twitter, I was the feature. I had my shirt, I had my t shirt that I got, teespring.com. More importantly, young lions that's perspective.myteespring.co. Got the shirt within a couple days, within like about a week. Came in nice, it's comfortable. Fit very well in the arms. I was hit. I was doing. Uh, I was doing my push day. I was getting. I was getting some bench press in. About to push it up two thirty. Took a picture of it. It's like, yo, you, yo, them traps is looking good. You know, see those gains on there. I stand by my product. I got a t-shirt. I got YLP socks, which are a lot more comfortable than you think. A little bit higher than usual, but I like them. You know, I got. A, I got a sticker for my laptop, and I got a coffee mug. Get that. Get that uh, cup of. You know, get that cup of Joe in my system. And represent YLP proudly because that's what I do. But yeah, 
you know, I, I mean, I stand by my product. I like the shirts. I can't wait to get the tank tops. I'm a boy. My trap's going to look good in them things, boy. Can't wait. You know, I'm going to be getting the future Mrs. YLP, you know, some leggings. Shh, don't tell her. For her birthday, Patriots coats. All clean. You know what I'm saying? You know, you can get that for your friends, your mama, your auntie, your cousin, your daddy. Definitely for your dad, for sure. You know, your brother, sister, friends, friends who are fans of the product. If you're a fan of the product and they're a fan of the product, hey. Or if you just want to get it to them just to get it to them, hey, why not? Represent that John proudly. You can also get tapestries, coffee mugs, socks, beach towels, organic tote bags, which you can take anywhere to, even to a farmer's market. And you still be repping the YLP movement proudly. Okay? Ladies, I got leggings. I got flowy tank tops. I got boyfriend tees. Premium V-necks for the ladies, for the uh, for the young cubs. I got t-shirts for toddlers and for the babies. Really should have done, really think about doing onesies. YLP onesies. Let me know how y'all feel about that. 2021, we make that a thing? We should make that a thing. Ricky! If you hear me, YLP onesies, bruv. Telling you, clean, easy, light work. Um, but yeah, again, Almost 20 items on my store, including the YLP face match, which is for every sale. A dollar gets donated to a nonprofit organization specializing in, you know, child hunger. And y'all know how I feel about that. I've said it multiple times. I mean, I got, you know, I'm not going to explain to it at length. I might do that in tomorrow's episode. But I got a whole litany of items that you can get right now. Young-lions-perspective.myteespring.co. Go check it out. Get yourself some new merch and get that new year, new you feel. With some YLP merch from my website. Alright? Let's get back into the news, though. From ProWrestling.com, Nick Jackson speaks about his experience with COVID-19. This is from Matthew Wilkinson. AEW's Nick Jackson has spoken about his experience with COVID-19 and has called out people who are still COVID deniers. Jackson posted on his Instagram giving his thoughts about people who are still claiming that COVID-19 isn't real as he shared his own personal experience with the vaccine. Not only did he discuss how he felt at the time, but also in his recovery after and how it impacted his cardio long term. Quote, crazy to think there's still COVID deniers out there in the world. I had a pretty bad case of COVID in early September that kept me bedridden for nearly three weeks. I couldn't taste or smell for two and a half months. At one point, my whole body had hives on it, and my doctor said that it was definitely from COVID, he added Jackson. Matt had to do the majority of the work in matches once I returned safely because I couldn't catch my breath. My cardio was finally back, but it took months to feel like finally feel like myself again. Let's protect each other and wear a mask. Now, I know COVID going around in this world, COVID going around spreading like wildfire, very mutant variant, COVID variant all over the goddamn place here, here in western the Mississippi, goddamn it. I don't deny that COVID is a thing. I think they're overblowing, overblowing the whole fucking like craziness of the whole situation. They need to calm the fuck down on that because fear mongering is fucking real, may I add. But I, I acknowledge that COVID nineteen is a thing. Okay, I just think the media is overblowing it and they need to chill the fuck out and actually be help, giving us ways to help us actually be healthy instead of actually you know just doom and gloom all the goddamn time. Or better yet, just stop watching TV and make sure you take care of yourself and ask your doctor what's right for you. This is not a shame. That's not a shameless plug. I mean, ask your doctor. Ask your doctor what's right for you. Honestly, no one knows you better than you personally, but at least get a second opinion from it, from your doctor. Okay, if you don't think you, if you don't think you need the vaccine, if your doctor tells you you don't need it, don't take it. 
You know, if you want to take the vaccine, I know Ricky's done it. And that's perfectly fine. I'm going to choose not to because I think, you know, I take I take a good amount of vitamins per day. I take uh, vitamin C gummies. I take zinc. I take vitamin D. I take a multivitamin, men's one a day. I take uh, flaxseed oil. I take a combination of calcium titrate, magnesium, and zinc. A lot of zinc in my shit. Um, a lot of D3 as well. But, and then, of course, I work. I try to work out three to five times a week and drink more water. And, you know, I, I, at work, I wear face covers, you know. I do the thing. I do the thing. I don't like it, but it's required at my job, so I, I kind of have to. Um, you know, when I travel, the face, you know, I wear a mask. You know, really doesn't bother me much. I can just breathe, you know. In the gym, I have to wear one. And I've learned how to control my breathing when I'm doing heavy lifts, like, you know, squats and uh, bench presses and deadlifts. So, you know, there's days where I get pissed off, where I have to wear one, but I understand, you know, this is the world we live in. You know, um, again, me personally, I think the media is overblown the fuck out of it to the highest heavy, craziest proportions. But I recognize that COVID-19 is a thing. Okay, so let's get that one one thing straight. I personally think I, we all should be responsible for wearing a mask or not. But, you know, that's as far as I'll take it in terms, you know, as far as how I truly feel about it. Because, like I said, this ain't politics. This is professional wrestling. And we got to speak on professional wrestling. Um, but if I, you know, if my, my thing would be, you know, make sure the most vulnerable is taken care of and let everybody else go about their business. And that's I'm, I'm leaving it at that. But as far as Nick Jackson goes, you know, having to be bedridden for three weeks, you know, not be able to taste or smell for two and a half months, having hives on his body. I mean, that's a serious thing, you know, you know, and these are like, and these guys really, you know, take care of themselves, work out all that stuff. You know, my thing is this, I may at one point had COVID and didn't even know it. Okay. That's just, you know, I've been trying to keep myself healthy. You know, I've been literally working since the pandemic started. So if I had it, I don't know. I'm not going to deny it, you know, that's not a thing, but, you know, it hit Nick Jackson pretty damn hard, and I'm glad that he's doing okay, and that he's, you know, got his, you know, cardio back, and, you know, took a, took a couple of months, but hey, I'm glad he's doing it, I'm glad he's, you know, feeling well, taking care of himself, and actually, you know, being able to compete as an AEW World Tag Team Champion, which is good, which is fantastic, and I can't be, and I can't be mad at that 100%, um, but it's, you know, it's, it's good to, to see, you know, you know, if there is people that had COVID, um, that they actually got better from it, you know, which is always a good thing. You know, I know a couple of people that I work with, I'm not going to name names or anything, but they had it, you know, and they're back in good health. So that's a good thing. You know, it, it is showing that the survivability rate is real. They just got to deal with some rough shit for about a couple of weeks. Bees with a bees. But, um, you know, I'm glad Nick Jackson is better. I'm glad Nick Jackson is, you know, in good health and all that stuff. And, you know, take care of yourself as best as you can. You know, I understand that there's going to be, you know, if, there, if you live in a state where you are having to worry about wearing masks, God bless you. If you are, you have to follow, please do follow, just follow CDC requirements as best as you can, even though you may want to just, because trust me, there's times where I have my face covering on, and I'm just like, I got to rip that off to get a good breath in me, you know, I, I ain't trying to have, 
you know, smell of coffee on my gator all damn day. You know, there's points where I just got to take it down and get an actual clean, fresh air in my lungs. It can make it feel good. But, you know, you know, if you want to do your research and all the studies and all that stuff, by all means do so. Do your due diligence, all that good stuff. Again, glad Nick Jackson is doing well. And, of course, seeing that he is AEW World Tag Team Champion, um, he's good enough to go for uh, world title matches and all that. So, glad to see he's doing well. But, yeah, it is, it is you know, there are people out there that are have experienced COVID. Um, I know a couple of people personally that, you know, outside of, uh, you know, my job that have had it, you know, they're doing, and they're doing well. You know, took them a little bit to get, you know, to get themselves taken care of, but they are doing just fine. And this is, this is a thing, you know, I'm not going to deny that one second. It's just make sure you take care of yourself, get your opinion from your doctor, what's right for you. And, um, you know, if you're able to go to the gym, go to the gym, eat right, diet, exercise, take your vitamins, take D, take zinc, um, drink more water, take care of yourself. This would be a perfect time for people who are new to the gym to definitely get into the gym. You know, if, if they're, like I said, if gyms are open in your state, go, go take care of yourself. Because the one thing you, the one thing, the two things that people want in this world, personally, and this is just my opinion, health and wealth. But here's the thing. How can you be able to get money if you're not healthy? Feel me? So my health is the most important thing in my life. If I'm not taking care of myself, if I'm not being able to, you know, you know, bench press 230 for six reps, no, that's a problem. Now, me personally, honestly, I'm not even going to front y'all. I went from, when I came back from Denver in July, I was 220. I actually, I actually weighed myself this morning. I blew, I went up to 250. And seven months, you know, I still have a bit, uh, I still have a bit of belly fat, but not, not to the point where it's just like, I'm fat. I'm 250, but I'm a. More muscular 250. You know, I look better. I feel better in my clothes. You know what I'm saying? So it's like those things where it's just like, you know, I'm doing, you know, once the gyms opened up in September, I went right, I went, got right down to it. I got right into it and I feel a lot better because of it. You know, when I'm not in the gym, I think about going to the gym, <laughs> which is weird. But seriously, make sure you guys are taking care of yourself as best as you possibly can. If you do have it, um, quarantine yourself as much as you can for a couple weeks. Um, if you don't, please do take care of yourself and listen to your doctor, um, as much as you can. And actually, you know, try to figure out ways to, you know, instead of looking up the news, you know, that's all literally doing gloom, look up to figure out ways to eat better, eat right, meal prep, all that stuff. I guarantee you that your health within this pandemic will mean so much more to you once you're doing it right than watching the news and just seeing, oh, this happened and then more cases and all that stuff. That's only going to stress you out. And stressing you out leads to higher blood pressure, and that's not a good thing. So, but we shall close out this week's episode of News of the Weekend with a second article from ProWrestling.com. Cody Rhodes gets AEW an A for its 2020 product. This is also by Matthew Wilkinson. When it comes to reflecting on AEW's 2020, Executive Vice President Cody Rhodes has scored the company an A grade. Bias much? Cody spoke with Talk is Jericho, where he revealed his grade for the company and admitted that he knows where he needs to grow and that he's learned a lot of hard lessons along the way within that year. Let's see if he is on the same wavelength I is with this. Somebody asked me, grade it. 
and of course, as part of the company, I'm not I'm not going to give it a bad grade, but I said, hey, and there's room for an A+. We know where we need to grow. AEW, if this had been its last year, thank gosh it wasn't. It's still been the greatest year of my life. I learned a lot of lessons and learned some hard lessons about the burdens of management. If you weren't popular before, you're definitely not going to be as popular as you enter that space. I still think it's surreal. The numbers. That's why I love the data. And you're great about the data. The demo god. I love it when Harrington shows me the spreadsheet and talks about our international deals. We're having these calls. I was on the phone with Microsoft the other day. What am I doing? But I know what I want. I know what we're talking about. That blows me away. I told Tony, do not give me this job unless you really want me to do the job, which would probably include pissing you off from time to time, which he's never been pissed at me. At least his version, maybe he has. That's been the most exciting thing. The brain trust here amongst the talent, the EVPs, the management, the committee that existed that we don't talk about. The committee of thought, which is the Bucks and Kenny, you, and Tony is, more than ever has in his mind, he wants to, wants the show to be as he is booking it, laying it out. I love it. I know it sounds like a tumultuous thing. All those names on paper and those people and Arn. Arn is out there with me by the ring pretty much doing jack shit except holding up his play card. But what does Arn, what Arn does back here, my gosh. I literally want to look at him. Where have you been? Mm. Now that I didn't address everything. Okay, I really didn't address much. But I do like the fact that he really understands there is room for growth. Now, if I had to, I, I personally, uh, even, yes, I did give uh, AEW Brand of the Year bragging rights for 2020 because from the 2020 YLP Podcast Awards because they fucking deserved it. Okay. And honestly, they were the best brand. They were the best brand in 2020, hands fucking down. But I still say with 100% their weak point, and I know they're, and I know that they know it. Even I'm gonna say it anyway. Your women's division is still weak, Cody. I understand you got you know Serena Deeb as your NWA Women's Champion. You got that partnership going. That's great. But I know there's gonna be a double championship somewhere down the line between Deeb and Sheeta. So be it. I understand you're trying to build. Talent like Anna Jay, Penelope Ford, Ty Conti, you know, you got Big Swole, you have um, Thunder Rosa, you have Britt Baker. You know, you have talent like Allie, you have Penelope, yeah, I said Penelope before already. You have um, Chris Statlander, who was still in the mend. So, I completely understand that. You have, you had B Priestley and Sadie Gibbs, unfortunately, uh, they're gone. You have Jay Carl Gill, Nyla Rose. You have them. You have Ivelisse and Diamante. You have, who else? Red Velvet, Kylan King, Heather Monroe. You have an entire roster of ladies. It's just a matter of executing the actual deal and showing that there is talent in that AEW Women's Division. Unfortunately, we're not seeing it. You know, and that kind of hurts your product. And now, I mean, I would honestly say 2020 was a better year than 2019 was. Yeah. You know, but you know, 20 they had a little bit more time in 2020 to have it than 2019 because they only had three months uh, to work with it. So 2020, from 2019, October 2019 until December 2020, it got better. But I wouldn't say personally it was an A. I would honestly say it was a B. It was maybe a B. B, B minus. And that's because of the women's division. You know, if he had said it was a B minus, I would actually believe him a little bit more than I do. You know, I understand, you know, he's not going to give it a bad grade. I understand that. He's biased. He's part of AEW. I totally get that. 
But had he said B minus, and you know, actually laid out a little bit more in terms of you know what pe- what people were saying about the show, um, and if he had really brought up the women's division, I definitely would have thought, okay, yeah, I can understand why you said what you said. You know, yeah, B minus definitely per- for me personally, um, definitely gets that. But you said it end of the year, yeah, because. Um, Literally, it was between them, NXT, and NGPW, and NGPW, unfortunately, had a couple months off that kind of hurt things a little bit. NXT kind of faded at times. They had a lot they had a lot going on, but they faded a bit. Yeah, the, the summer was crazy. From summer to Halloween Havoc, it got crazy. It was some crazy good shit. And, you know, end of the year, mm, you know, for some reason, AEW really just kept up with long-term storylines and really did it really, the devil was definitely in the details for all of that. And they were nailing it. They were just hitting on every single goddamn thing across the board, and it was beautiful, you know. But I still am still a critic of the the, the product, and I can honestly easily say a B minus would have been a much, much better grade to give it than an A. That's just me being me and me being not me being unbiased about the product. But still, I mean, I do appreciate the fact that you know Cody understands that there's still a lot more work to do. And to be what he considers an A-plus product. Um, hopefully they do address the women's division going into uh, 2021 because that is a big, big spot they need to get that focused on. If they get Statlander back, you know, possibly after, um, I'll probably, what was it, March, April, I think she's supposed to be coming back. You know, that would be a huge help to division. I want to see more rivalries. I want to see more feuds amongst the women's division. Um, you know, Abaddon, not bad, but I think they need to work on her gimmick a little bit more. You know, they have a division there. It's just they haven't really figured out how to structure it yet. I think after a year, I think they kind of have an idea where they, they need to structure it. It's just a matter of the execution. You know what I'm saying? So hopefully 2021 will be a banner year for the women's division. That will help round out the uh, entirety of the show as a whole. And I think that would give that more substance to the AEW product. That's just me. And that's kind of how I see it. But that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to conclude episode 287 of the YLP Podcast. When we come back, we're going to close out the show in proper YLP fashion and get you ready for episode 288 of the YLP Podcast. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. That's going to be it for episode 287 of the YLP Podcast. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, your wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for taking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. If you have any thoughts, concerns, comments, or opinions about today's episode or any news that I may have missed, do not hesitate to hit me up with an email over on youngmindsperspective at gmail.com. Send me a voice message over on anchor.fm slash youngmindsperspective. Anchor.fm slash WrestleAddictsRadio. Leave me a comment over on ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. You know, if you feel something like talk, toss yourself a little couple nuggets in my way, I'd be greatly appreciative of that as well. Uh, and of course, if you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP podcast, you can follow me on my social media over on Twitter at YL Perspective. That's capital YLP Perspective. I do live tweet for AEW Dynamite every Wednesday. SmackDown Live every Friday night, unless I have a prior obligation to attend to. I 
I'll let you guys know prior to that night's particular episode. I also do live tweeting for every AEW live pay-per-view, every WWE live pay-per-view, every NXT and NXT UK TakeOver special, and of course, in the event that I am up at 3.30 in the morning and I have no other reason than to go back to sleep because I went to the bathroom and then just be like that sometimes, I do live tweeting for NJPW as well. So to find me over on my Instagram, I can be found over there at Young underscore Lions underscore Perspective, updates on shows, social Saturdays, 60 second thought videos, everything uh, that comes from uh, outside, of course, on my Twitter and all that stuff. So I got all that going. And lucky for you, my Instagram does get to my Facebook. Technology, I guess. But I can be found over on Facebook at Young Lions Perspective, all one word, or simply search for Young Lions Perspective Podcast. Like the page, share the page, and make damn sure that you follow the page. We have over 100 followers over there, and I guarantee you that y'all, they know that I will always thank you for so, so much for the continued love and support. Follow me on all these full platforms to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP Podcast. Of course, if you enjoyed this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the YLP Podcast. Share this episode across all of your social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the alt-set platforms, Parler, Gab, all that stuff. Don't matter. Don't matter. Send it across the board. Signal, WhatsApp, Telegram, Boxer, all of it. Send it all across the board 100%. Good. 100%. Send it, slide it to your friends' DMs. Send it through a text message. You can even use Facebook Messenger or any other Messenger app that you have. Spread the word. Let the people know about the YLP podcast and get that out there. Because in these quarantine times where people are still being locked down and people are, you know, unfortunately not able to get out and about as much as they would like to, we here at WrestleEdit Radio strive, strive to be, you know, give you the very best, top-notch quality entertainment from podcast, you know, podcasting, video, and, of course, the wonderful written word. And let me take a little bit of time out to actually make a... Uh, change. Uh, I was saying Articles of War. It is actually written in war. Writteninwar.wordpress.com. Yes, we do have a, bu- a good you know, group of writers over there from fan fiction to opinion of the product itself and you can easily check that out over at writteninwar.wordpress.com. It's something to say I may not make an appearance somewhere in the near future. Who knows? But legitimately, check out the- that is an extension of us as well. And I definitely want you to check out the good people over there from Written at War. They're doing some damn good work. Again, writteninwar.wordpress.com. You can find all the articles over there. Every single article that we have so far. Definitely take give, take how many of your day to get you a little reading material in your life. Because it's very nice. All that good stuff. Okay? But yes, we strive to be the very best and give you top-notch quality entertainment. Because with the... YLP Podcast, the Kings of the Rings Podcast, the Fretzel Mania Podcast, and don't you damn forget about the delight show with Manch Chapel. We not only want to be the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast, but we want to be 100%, without a doubt, without question, undoubtedly undisputed, then, now, and forever, the alternative for Professional Wrestling Podcast, and that we are here to stay. Now, I know most of y'all do not have the Anchor app, and that's perfectly fine. Everybody's got their whole spiel of, you know, 
podcast apps that they use for their podcast listening pleasure. But if you think for one second we're simply just all about Anchor.fm and, of course, at BigGoodsPodcastSolutions.com, where the hell have you been, sir or madam? I might have I might assumed a gender. Bees with a bees. But if you've been under a rock for a little while, the past three months, I want to let y'all know that we are involved with Amazon Music and Audible. Yes, the Amazon, the one of the biggest companies in the world, Amazon Music came to us and asked us to partner with them to expand our empire. And we couldn't say no to that. So if you do have, happen to have Amazon Music, you can find all of our WrestleMania Radio podcasts over there, over on there. Make sure you give us a five-star rating, add a solid comment, let the people know that this is what you need in your daily listening over on Amazon Music. And of course, Audible, they are, they are simply just an audiobook, mainly audiobook company, hundreds of thousands of audiobooks, your favorite professional wrestler's favorite professional wrestler probably has an audio book out. And now they've decided to step into the podcast realm and asked us to join the movement as well. And we could not say no. Please do give us a top rating and a comment, letting the people know that you love WrestleMania Radio and that it is what you need in your existence. But we're not only just all of that, plus Amazon Music and Audible. We can be found across several different platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Player FM, Podbean. Of course, shout out to the Podbean gang as always. I almost forgot about that. Hmm. That's kind of sad. Castbox FM, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify fam. Search for all of our podcasts across all these different platforms, and you should have no problem finding us whatsoever. Manana, Tuesday. Yes, the first new episode of last week. This week is going to be going down tomorrow for episode 288 of the YLP podcast. And we get to talk about none other than New Year's Evil. I am so excited to talk to you guys about this. Um, I, I'm, I'm very excited because I know this card is worth it, worth your time, worth your effort, worth the conversation. And of course, with every episode of last week, this week, we're going to be talking about the five main focal points you need to keep your focus on. And we're going to be discussing this Wednesday's episode, The Fallout from New Year's Evil. I can't wait to discuss this episode with you guys. And I know you're excited to want to know what Mr. YLP himself has to say about what happened at New Year's Evil just last week. Other than that, guys, I'm going to get the hell out of here. I got things to do, and so do you. Of course, if you're going to be watching Monday Night Raw, as always, my condolences to your sanity. Other than that, enjoy the rest of your Monday, and I'll see you guys right back here tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for episode 288 of the YLP Podcast. See you! This has been a Wrestle Attic Radio branded podcast.